0: Welcome to the Professional Services Pursuit, a podcast featuring expert advice and insights on the professional services industry. I'm Banu, and today I'm joined by Michael Burton, the CEO of Stitch, which is a marketing technology consultancy focused on helping marketers get the most out of their technology investments and drive customer engagement. Michael, I'm so happy we've connected, and welcome to the show.
1: Yeah, thank you. I'm excited about the conversation.
0: Fantastic. Why don't we get started with you telling the audience or the listeners a little bit more about your background as well as Stitch and what the company is all about.
1: Yeah. So I've spent the last, more than the last two decades in professional services. So this is just kind of the, the world in which I, I breathe. And. I ended up deciding primarily embedded services, which we'll talk about that in a little bit, about my transition to consultancy. But this has been my lifelong focus. And at Stitch, as you mentioned, we're focused on helping marketers. And we're doing that along a couple of different companies, Braze, Technology Partner, and then Segment. But I always kind of think about, it, like, "Was my mom? When I, my mom says, well, what do you actually do, Michael? Even though I kind of go through those kinds of things. I think I always say the best way to describe it is that digital marketers, it's incredibly complicated between... You know, the technical side these companies have lots of data they have an app they've got a website they've got all these channels whatsapp email etc and it's incredibly difficult to kind of manage and then you've got the art of a brand you know the creative aspect and I tell her what we really do is we help marketers pull together and stitch the technical aspects of their job with the creative parts of the job and that typically gets my mom happy enough to not ask me for another quarter and then she'll come back and ask me again
0: well, that's going to get me happy as well then. Uh, but that's actually a very interesting combination, right? That creative and tech coming together and then your consultancy around that and how to do that effectively. So can't wait to dig in a little bit more and understand it. But on that point, I know that you mentioned that you have a lot of experience in embedded service, right? And I, I know in a previous life, you were working with embedded services organizations dealing with Salesforce integrations. But then you decided to um, make a switch to a boutique consultancy that's Stitch. How does your previous experience apply to making you effective in this new environment of boutique consultancy?
1: It was really 16 years that I was in embedded services, a part of different tech companies from marketing tech backgrounds to higher education to financial services. And that's really all I knew and was just always waiting for contracts to come in and then start doing my work as a project manager. I was a PMP certified project manager and went through that for many, many years. As a part of Salesforce, I was, I was saying, why am I doing it internally? Like, what is it like to be on the outside as a consultancy, not being inside a Salesforce, but being next to it? And that's actually what led me to a company called Lev, which we had a lot of success with. And so that's a little bit about how I got to that point. In hindsight, I didn't know better. I really thought, well, let's just go give it a shot. I didn't really fully understand what it meant. Yes, there are similarities when you think about the work that you're doing day in and day out, but it's all the other things that are outside of the actual executing for a customer that make being in a consultancy so unique. And I always talk about the best way from when I made the transition from Salesforce to Lev salesforce embedded services lev a consultancy supporting salesforce customers on the outside i ended up working more broadly and deeper with salesforce than i ever did when i was inside of it in in hindsight it makes sense you're working with people from the selling part of the tech partner we do that with braze now or, or marketing customer success so you're just getting this wide exposure to everything it takes to run a business I've kind of gotten addicted to it. So I got all the great benefits of being a professional services, but I got the larger aspect of running a business and consultancy. And I think that's one of the biggest differences as far as being inside an embedded services company or professional services team.
0: So when you were at Lev, Lev was a partner to Salesforce, right? You were an implementation partner. When you say consultancy, you were an implementation partner and consulted on sort of best practices. And
1: that's that's right. We, you know, we were focused on, more of helping marketers get the most out of Salesforce, so kind of a, some similarities to what we're doing with Stitch and Braze, and we were doing everything from how do we help Salesforce win a deal, and then owning the life cycle for the customer from beginning to end, initial strategy and implementation. But more for you think about a marketer, there's always another campaign. That's the beauty. That's why I love this work for consultancy around marketing, there's always something else that needs to be happening. So we did a lot of the ongoing services alongside of Salesforce.
0: I know within Stitch, you also partner with Braze, as you mentioned, and Segment uh, specifically. And obviously, you were a partner to Salesforce within Lev. So I would be interested in getting your perspective on best practices around partner enablement and making sure that the partner network can be very effective, right? Because a lot of SaaS companies are moving or are already there in terms of a partner network that is responsible for delivery, having them focus on software sale and the SaaS part of their business. The learnings are, are critical for people to replicate.
1: It does the enablement, the certification process needs to be well-defined. And you know, I'm so surprised that there's a lot of tech companies that are still playing catch-up, I think, a little bit. Salesforce was a very early adopter of being partner-first, back almost from, from when they started, And there are other companies that are just kind of catching on to the benefit of that kind of model. So I I think sometimes what we've learned is really effective enablement is not just about the technology itself, but more of what are you trying to do? Like, what are the goals that you're trying to accomplish with this technology? Sometimes that's missed. It's just kind of glossed over. But that's the most important part of understanding how specific product is actually solving that problem. We've learned a whole lot about you just can't go off of certifications. Like You have to understand how to be strong consultants. And I was listening to a prior podcast that you did about you know, how do you teach people just to be basic consultants. That is something that I think haunts so many consultancies, and I see it, and I see it in partner ecosystems. Now, that's one of the root things that really needs to be addressed. And then I think the other piece that we've learned that's allowed us to be successful at LEV and is allowing us to be successful at Stitch is this understanding of, How do you help your technology partner be successful? In my mind, I need to be adding value to a Braze account executive. What am I doing to bring value and help that customer prospect that the Braze account executive is bringing me into the conversation? And that's difficult. I think so many people don't understand why why that's such a critical piece to making a boutique consultancy work. And I think we've learned a whole lot about how do you go to market a little side story here we think of a braze account executive as as a customer of ours so they enter a journey <laughs> we've got plans on how do we continue to be top of mind for them those are some valuable lessons that we've learned over the last uh, you know call it six or seven years
0: in terms of partner selection not every partnership will work right and from your perspective what are some of the criteria that you look for to make sure that that partnership will indeed be effective, right? Before you even start enablement because you want to invest time and the partner wants to invest time if that partnership is going to be mutually beneficial.
1: The first thing that gets overlooked, it gets overlooked until you get to the final stages and then you realize you should have looked at this at the very beginning. The first piece is like, what are you passionate about? That's the first thing that matters. I'm not going to get into... ERP type of work. Now, that's not necessarily for me what drives passion. So the first thing I'm looking at is what am I passionate about? What kind of technology is very interesting to me? And then from there, that's starting to slim down the different options that we're evaluating. Next step is starting to look at what does the growth look like of that technology partner that you want to be connected to? What's their growth look like? I start digging into earnings calls, transcripts. I dig into 10Ks. I want to understand what analysts are saying to see, do they have a strong story over the next five years plus? And then the next thing I dig into is what does their ecosystem look like? Either they're not enough consultants or maybe they're still very early in building their partner ecosystem. Both of those are good signals. So collectively kind of across that passion, what does the opportunity look like for that specific technology company? And then, again, specifically, like, what kind of opportunities are there for partners? So those are the things I look to. The one thing I've kind of learned though from that is it's really tempting that once you start building a relationship with one partner, it's very tempting to want to go, and I'm doing marketing with Braze. Can I go do marketing tech with Iterable? And then what happens is you start losing focus, and then you're not really adding value to your technology to your partner because you're just responding to whatever work is coming in. That really dilutes the effectiveness of of you as a strong consulting partner and wanting to have a strong point of view. So that's the other thing I kind of caution about, not going after too many things and staying really focused on what you're after.
0: Yeah, I, I love that, being intentional versus following the business, right? This partner has now brought something, so let's jump on the wagon. And before you know it, you have you know, five partners that are not well enabled, but instead of just one partner that you've gone after intentionally, and there's truly a partnership established. So that's great advice. And in the podcast you're referencing was with Shane Anastasi. And yeah, we we focused on consultancy and what makes an effective consultant, right? So I would think that that would be a critical component to look into for a technology partner, because it's not about the technology only, right? We say people process technology. And so that people process side of their ability to consult around all those aspects, including the governance that's needed, right? Around data governance, all these aspects that drive technology companies today are probably critical as points to assess, right?
1: Yeah, it's tough because you also, yeah, you're balancing out all those aspects of building up consultants and they have to be from strategic to technical. And there's a balance between time to launch versus time to value. You can't lose sight of either one. It can't, like yeah. you, you have to keep those in balance all while you're trying to run a consultancy of what's coming down my pipeline. Do I have the staff to go do it? Am I going to go higher? It's what makes this opportunity difficult in a consultancy, but it keeps you on your toes. Like there is no slow day for, for me when you're trying to balance all that.
0: You mentioned time to launch versus time to value, right? Do you want to clarify how you look at that and how do you partner or, or work with your technology partners to narrow that down, right? Because you want to you want to make that as tight as possible.
1: There's a little too much over-indexing on time to launch. And time to launch in, in our world, when we think about working with Braze, it's time to get the first... Marketing message out the door in the platform, and you're migrating off of something else. Maybe you're a new company. The challenge by just fixating on just the time to launch is that it's not necessarily addressing the root problem or why are you going to go and implementing Braze? And I'm just working with a customer now where there was too much to that over indexing on time to launch, and they were trying to become $700 million business to a billion dollar business. And just implementing the technology was missing the whole point of we're still missing a large subset of customers that we need to go market to. So I'm always kind of trying to balance it out. I, I understand from one point of view, time to launch, like you have to be using the platform and in order to continue to get better. If you're not consistently asking yourself, even on a weekly basis, well, why are we doing this? And are we making progress towards what we originally planned? Right alongside of, am I progressing towards the date of being live at the right time? If you're not constantly talking about those things, then you're really doing a disservice to your customer.
0: Before we leave the partner topic, wanted to see what advice do you have because obviously to make that ecosystem work, right, both your business has to grow in parallel with the partner business. So you're you're really feeding each other in this ecosystem? And from your experience, what are some of the best practices to ensure that your partner is growing alongside what your business is doing?
1: There's a difference between an agency and a consultancy. And for me, when I think about a consultancy, what we're doing as being partner, interdependent with each other, is that in my world, my technology partner is my number one customer because they are helping me to grow my business. They're bringing me new brands. And so when I think about it from that viewpoint, my best practices are are much more about how do I make my technology partner successful? When I do that, I'll be growing my business. So I'm thinking all my marketing effort is all focused on my channel partner. So anything I'm putting out on LinkedIn or we have on our website or blogs, anything we're doing is all to help better educate our technology partners so that they can be better at helping service their customers, which then in turn will drive business to us. It's a change of versus I have this set of customers I work with as my agency and what do they need to be successful? It's a different viewpoint of how to grow your business. And so that focus on go to market is all about that initial focus on your technology partner. Then it starts to benefit everyone because once we're bringing on a new brand, we're making that brand successful I'm helping reduce the churn for the technology partner because I'm keeping that customer on board for much longer. I'm finding opportunities to upsell. Maybe they're doing email or SMS, but they're trying to do something with their mobile app. I'm then finding that opportunity to bring back to Brace because it is this circle that has to happen. And it all does start with having a strong point of view on who is your primary partner. And then how are you going to go best support that primary partner being very intentional? So this, is, again, it kind of goes back to why focus is important. I can't, as a boutique consultancy, be able to do that same type of play across five or six partners. I'm not going to do it well. And those are some of the things that we've really learned. But, yeah, I was taught you know, long ago, and I think it was right, that our technology partner is truly our number one customer
0: to that point within Stitch, how will you look at expanding your product offerings? You mentioned some of the ways that you look to expand the partner's business, and it all makes sense. But how do you envision expanding your own offerings? Is that through expansion to other technology partners when you're ready? Or are there within the premise of the current partners, other offerings that you can think of that you're going to expand on and What data do you look at right, to assess what your go-to-market is and how you need to evolve that go-to-market?
1: I see three different paths in order for us to stay focused on where we are now, but still allow us to grow outside of just landing new net, new business. The three paths I think about are international expansion. Like where are there opportunities with Braze and other countries where we could think about starting to grow a new presence. So Bray specifically, they just acquired a reseller in Australia. They already have a good footprint throughout Europe. So I'm starting to look at the exact same data that we referenced before. Like, what does revenue growth look like in Europe? What do the consultancies look like? The same thing in Australia. That's one path I'm always thinking about. It's tempting to do it. But I've got to be really patient. It's not something you can just jump into right away, especially as a smaller consultancy like Stitch. So that's number one. The second thing I'm looking at is by implementing Braze, it does open up a lot of other services that sit on top of Braze. Like We can be an extension of a marketing team where we're running their campaigns. Yes, we're providing strategy, but we're also executing we're measuring performance. We're giving feedback. So I'm figuring out, like, what kinds of additional services can I build on top of what we've already invested in? And then lastly, what kinds of technologies may not be my primary focus but are complementary to what Braze mm-hmm. is doing? And so we do you hear us talk a little bit about segment that's on the data side that plays. It's, it's a complementary to Braze, but Braze is our, fo- our center. So those are the three main paths I think about when growing this business, but not losing focus on my primary partnership, which is Braze.
0: You mentioned geographical regions as part of where you could potentially expand your business. Do you do that in partnership with Braze, understanding what markets they have presence in terms of service delivery or implementation, and then understanding their gaps and seeing if you can effectively fulfill those gaps so that it expands their go-to-market as well in terms of regionally.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm, I am looking at what consultancies are there now. What kind of work are they doing? How are they growing those regions? And then trying to make a judgment call. Like, like for us, when I when I try to objectively look at it, the Braze team in Latin America uses resellers. So they've not made a commitment necessarily to grow yet, but I'm trying to think about where they may make a bet next. So they did acquire a reseller in Australia like I could reasonably assume that they'll probably make an acquisition of a reseller in Latin America. We have Spanish speaking team members. So all those things are inputs into what do I have on staff? What's maybe closer, even think from a time zone perspective that makes it a little bit more easier. Like all those things are going in as inputs when we're thinking about how do we grow and more in geographical areas that we're not in today.
0: One of the um, comments that you made that I, I you know, I think it's, right on point is the fact that the partner has a role, not just obviously in the initial implementation and enablement, right? Their effectiveness is critical to adoption and retention. I wanted to see if you can give us some some insights around the partner's role in driving adoption and retention. How do you, as Stitch? see yourself doing that effectively. You know,
1: for years, the teams, my teams have always said, how do we do more surveying of our customers? How should we do NPS? We go back and forth. Like, How do we measure customer satisfaction? I always push back. Yes, we've done NPS. We do those things. But I always think like the number one indicator of a customer is happy with what we're doing. Are they renewing? Like, are they continuing to invest in the relationship? That's where it matters the most. So my motivations are directly aligned with my tech partner. My, my motivation is I want to continue renewing services. I want to create annual contracts, commitments from my end customer, which then directly support the actual technology partner. And my success is dependent on us continuing to grow these organizations. And my goal, as it was at LEV, is the same as Stitch, where 80% of our revenue have a target should be recurring services that long tail work, though it keeps us invested in the business that has a nice install base and it's directly impacting the technology partner because we're holding that relationship for them. And we do, we work alongside of customer success teams on the tech partner. I think we need to have a strong connection in there as we're working both as a tech company and a consultancy to make our mutual customers really successful. And so that's why we put so much emphasis on the the longer tail ongoing services with our customers.
0: So these ongoing services, are they in enhancements? Is it uh, it the approach that you do some basic capability within the Braze solution that you're implementing, but then you continue to enhance and evolve as the customer actually evolves and matures their processes? Like What do your services look like on an ongoing basis versus initial implementation?
1: Yeah, they come in Two primary flavors there are lots of different exceptions I could say, but the two primary areas that we focus on is one ongoing campaign services. So I mentioned that earlier where we' we're, we're running campaigns for our customers. That is the beauty of marketing. There's always yeah. something else. there's always communication. you think about our own personal inboxes that we get and the brands that we buy from and how many messages that you're getting, whether it's through email or SMS through a mobile app. So running those campaigns is a key part of our ongoing services that we do. And then the second flavor is where we're more the technical team that's embedded right alongside the marketing team in our brands. So it is playing that role between how do we marry having data across 20 different systems where we're trying to get one view of our customer to market to them. It's complicated. And so having that embedded technical team, to work alongside either the campaign team. And sometimes we're doing both. We're doing both the technical aspects and then campaign. And so that gives us a lot of opportunity for ongoing services and continued growth of our existing customers through those types of services.
0: Well, it's been great. And I I wish you all the success with Stitch. It's exciting um, what you've taken on and any future Stitches that may come along, you know, whether it's Stitch or the next company. It's great what you're doing in the the impacts that you're making out there. So appreciate it. But I always like to close out with a personal question. And what is one of your recommendations or two of favorite book that you've read that you'd recommend to the audience? Fiction or business, whatever, whatever works. This is,
1: I mean, it's, it's, granted it's something I've been reading recently, but I'll tell you why I like it so much. I've been reading, it's called In the Weeds. It's by Tom uh, Vitelli. And he was a producer for Anthony Bourdain. So Anthony Bourdain had this kind of yeah. travel food. And I'm just, yeah, 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 I just, I love him. Yeah. And so Tom is was his producer and traveled with him for over a decade, going to hundreds of countries. And so it's a behind the look scenes of what it was like to work with Anthony, like what it's like to create these shows. It's like so meaningful for me right now because we're talking so much about AI and this idea of prompts ruling the world. And what's so lovely about this book, it's about like what the hard work that goes into creating art. All the stuff that makes this magic happen is not prompts. It was just such a relevant topic for me reading this book right now. And I highly recommend not just to hear more about Anthony Bourdain, but what went into every one of these tv shows that went out there the production the thought it's just it's amazing highly recommend it
0: and there are people behind that i I'm, I'm with you so thank you for that recommendation and thank you for being on our show making the time and hope to see you sometime in the future and talk to you sometime in the future and follow your success as always if you have any follow-up questions for myself or michael please reach out to us at podcast at cantata.com thanks again michael thank you If you enjoyed this podcast, let us know by giving the show a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform and leaving a comment. If you haven't already subscribed to the show, you can do so anywhere you
1: get podcasts,
0: on any podcast app. And to learn more about the power of Cantata's purpose-built technology, go to cantata.com. Thanks
1: again for listening.